friends. It's good to be with you. It's good to see half your face. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's hard because I'm like, I just see everyone's eyes. I can't see like facial expressions. And, you know, you guys probably are dealing with that all the time too. You're like smiling at someone. They don't have a clue and they just think you're a grump. So I'm going to assume you're all just smiling at me right now. It's good. <clears throat> so we are in part three of the series that we just started about anxiety um, called Anxious for Nothing. And today, um, when we're talking about anxiety, I want to talk about two numbers because numbers mean things uh, and they matter and they tell a story. The first number is 40 million. 40 million people, uh, the latest statistics tell us, uh, and the number is growing every day, are the number of adults that are admitting to struggling with anxiety on like a bigger level. A disorder that uh, has become one of the most common disorders in our country. You know, you can't run away from it. The other number is 1,200%. 1,200%. That is where anxiety has gone up 1,200% in people in our nation in the last three decades, the World Health Organization tells us, which is fascinating to me because I can think about my great-grandparents and my grandparents. They survived World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, like all of these things, but yet our generation and where we're living right now, we're 1,200% more anxious than they were. And I've said this repeatedly throughout the series, and I'm going to keep saying that, that some anxiety is physiological, some of it is emotional, some of it's um, circumstantial. Um, there's different levels in anxiety, and if you need help, go get help. There is times that we get sick or our brain gets sick or our legs hurt or any of those types of things. It's not a bad thing. God gave us doctors. He gave us medicine. And I want you to know there's no shame in that. If you've ever been around people, you know, and they're trying to shame you because you should just be okay because, you know, the blood of Jesus is covering you. You're right. He is for your sins. It doesn't mean you don't get sick and you can't go get help when you need it. So make sure that you go and do that. But in addition to being physiological and emotional and circumstantial, there is this deeply rooted spiritual aspect to anxiety. And that's specifically what I've been trying to deal with over the last couple of weeks during this series. And we've been working through our way through some words written by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, where it says, do not be anxious about anything. Or in some translations, it says anxious for nothing, which is why we have these wristbands that we've been given out to remind us to not be anxious for anything. But here's the context of this. Paul's writing these words, not from Club Med, in like a good place, from a prison cell attached to a guard 24 hours a day. Paul had dreamed of going to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome so badly. It was like New York, the, you know, this epicenter in the world, you know, where everyone wants to go and to visit. But he believed that if he could reach the influencers in Rome, that the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ would spread faster and could reach further around in the world. So his dream had come true. He was in Rome. It's just a different situation because it's not that great because he's in a prison cell chained to a guard. And so he writes from this Roman prison cell full of anxiety. He's been sentenced to death. These words from Philippians 4.6. This is from the GLV version. Blame God. I will say it again, just blame God. Let your anxiousness be evident to all. The Lord is nowhere to be found. 
stress out about everything, big stuff, little stuff, things you can't control, things you wish you could, things that might come true and things that could never possibly happen. In every situation, see it as an opportunity to gripe to other people about how bad you've got it and how everyone else is cruising through life. Allow your envy and your self-preoccupation blow the problem out of proportion. And above all, Never talk to God about it. He doesn't give a rip. And if you continue on this path, the anxiety that transcends all human understanding will give you ulcers, heart disease, headaches, joint pain, and lousy relationships. So rejoice and be glad, right? This is, um, like I said, this is the GLV, the grumpy Larry version um, of this. Uh, I actually, you know, I don't know about you, but I've actually had times where I've like felt like this, right? I don't know how many of you guys have ever experienced that type of version where you're just like, God, I feel like you're not there. I feel like you let me down. I'm overwhelmed. There's so much anxiety. I've been going through this hell in my life right now. So I quit my small group and church. And some people, you know, they just give up on God altogether. They're like, yeah, I'm struggling with the realness and the connection of this. Can anybody relate to that type of a version? A couple of you? Yeah, for sure. But Paul was in a totally different perspective than uh, we typically are. Um, Here's what he really says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, last week, we focused on just this one single verse in Philippians 4, 6, which was, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, today, I just want to focus on one single word, and some of you, there it is, that word right there, one single word, which is thanksgiving. Um, This is a word, I don't know if you were paying attention last week, I skipped over it, and we just talked about prayer and petition and request. So here is my message today for all of us uh, in one one word. It's that we want to go, that we want to see anxiety go down as Thanksgiving goes up. How do we move from anxiety to peace or anxiety to calm? And so what we've done over the last three weeks is we've been spelling out calm. The first week, the, the, the takeaway and the title of this message was to celebrate, to rejoice and celebrate who God is, that when you stand between the pillars of his goodness and control, you can find peace. You can celebrate and rejoice who God is, that he's Lord, owner, and master of everything, and that he is near. Then last week, we talked about this. We need to ask God for our help through prayer and petition, and then request specific ultra-specific prayer to ask God for help specifically with what you need. And then this uh, week, today, what I'm going to be talking about is list what you are thankful for. To list what you're thankful for. Um, This is where we get to look at what it looks like to have gratitude. And then the M, what we're talking about next week, you'll find out next week. So come back. All right. There's that one. You You know where we're going. So um, let me say this, the message again today in one sentence. Anxiety goes down when Thanksgiving goes up. Your anxiety that you're feeling 
goes down when the thanksgiving goes up. Think of it like an elevator or a counterweight on a scale, right? The things have to shift like this. The quickest way to get rid of your anxiety is to double down on gratitude because anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. They bump into each other. Why? It's because what ifs is what circulates when it comes to anxiety. What if this? What if this? What if this? You know, we spiral out. Gratitude specifically does more of already. It's something that's already taken place. Anxiety is about like a future fear of what ifs could happen that may or may not happen. But gratitude specifically is about present blessings that you have in your life and what's going on right now. And you can't have both of these at the same time. They, 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 don't, they don't equate to one another. There's actually been a lot of research on the power of gratitude uh, and what it looks like. If we could put it into a pill version, it would be like a wonder drug. Um, it's been proven that gratitude improves your sleep, which means that you have less fatigue, which means that you have less depression and less anxiety. And then it literally improves your physical health when you live with Thanksgiving. They show that it actually affects you at a cellular level um, just by being grateful. Uh, I love uh, this quote from a monk. Happiness does not make you grateful. Rather, it's gratefulness that makes us happy. On the other hand, there's a guy who became a monk and um, he, uh, he had to practice silence and solitude for a year. And the friar told him he could only say two words a year. And so he spends his first year there in silence and he goes up to the friar and, uh, and he says, what's the two words you're going to share with me today? I'm ready. I've been waiting all year to hear what you're going to say. And he said, room cold. So then he moved on. So this next year, he goes through the entire year, and he's got two words again. And so the friar goes, what, what, what are you going to say this year after two years? And he said, bed hard. So then after a third year of silence, he comes up, and the friar's listening to him. He says, what are your two words that you're going to share with me this year? And he said, food bad, right? So at the end of year four, he came, he came up to him, and he said these last two words. He says, I quit. And the friar says, well, that doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain the entire time that you've been here, right? The Greek word, I want to show you what the Greek uh, word for gratitude is. Yeah, you say this, eucharistias, eucharistias. Um, now, if you look at this, you can find some uh, English words in here that we use. And this first one you see is eucharist, which is, uh, for those of you familiar with this, is the Lord's Supper or communion. We take this once a month here and we pause and we reflect and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That we remember that he died for us, that he set us free from shame and fear of the future and the things that we've done in the past and the present and forward. And that's a great place to begin with gratitude. Let me show you another important word inside of gratitude, and that's charis. Charis is the Greek word we use for grace. So inside of this word for gratitude, first we get the Lord's Supper, the things that we're thankful for, and then we get charis, which is grace, that our salvation comes from grace, upon grace, upon grace, for everything that we need grace for, the food that we eat, the air that we're breathing, all of this is an act of grace from God. There's a third word in this Greek word for gratitude, and that's chara. Chara, this is, this is the word we use for joy joy. 
the, when the Holy Spirit lives in us, he just fills us up with joy. That's what we receive. That's one of the, the fruits that it produces within us. So here's what I've come to realize when it comes to this, that grace is what you receive. Grace is something that we get to receive and we've all received. Joy is something that we experience through the Holy Spirit. And gratitude, gratitude is what you give. So you receive, experience, and then you give. The grace from God the Father, the joy from Holy Spirit is, and then we get to express gratitude of what's taken place in and through us and through Jesus. And that's why we get to celebrate Eucharist or communion, the Lord's Supper, every month. So as we, as we do that, we get to realize that anxiety goes down as our thanksgiving goes up. Let's face it, though, it is not easy right now uh, in the culture that we live in with Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, all the different things that you're looking at and you're seeing. You're seeing someone's like, you know, CrossFit wad and, you know, they're like, you know, super awesome working out. And you see somebody else's like Pinterest board and they made something out of nothing and you never see somebody carve a pumpkin so good or they like, you know, picked up pallets and yesterday and built a garden out of old pallets and today they're eating fresh vegetables and you're like, what is this life, right? Just this overachieving thing or just all of the stuff, right? All the stuff that we get to compare and, you know, whether it's something someone says or just their ability and celebration, really. But all of a sudden what happens is we start believing that we're not good enough or that we're not beautiful enough or smart enough or worthy enough or not blessed enough with these things and our anxiety goes up and our thanksgiving actually goes down because it's just not enough. I can't remember the theologian who made this statement, but it's not only deep, but right on target. As you go through life, make this your goal. Look at the donut and not the hole. That's really important. Look at what you do have and not what you don't have, right? Look at the good stuff right there. Now, I want to ask you to do something right now, um, because otherwise I feel like this message today is useless if we don't actually incorporate. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now, and this is everyone in here. I'm actually going to ask you to pull out your phone. Take your phone, turn it on, power it up, or, you know, click it so it sees your face. Now, what I want you to do on that phone is I want you to make a list. Pull up your memo section or your notes section. You can search for it if you didn't know you had one of those or if you're from the 17th century, you can use, you know, paper and a pen, but you all have it in your phone. And I want you to start making a list right now to see what this looks like, an example of what gratitude looks like. So what are you thankful for? So right now, as I'm talking, because this is way more important, Start writing down, like, is it, who are the people that you're thankful for, or the food that you eat, or the home where you live, or the bed that you sleep in, the names of friends or family that you love, an answer to prayer that you received, a person who maybe gave you your first Bible, or the person who pointed you to Jesus or invited you here. Whatever comes to your mind right now, start making that list. Good things. Pepperoni, puppies, putting your underwear on straight out of the dryer. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. Like, however that works out, right? So right now, I'm watching them looking around. You should all be up to like four or five things on your list. So just keep working because honestly, power comes when you write something down. It's different than just thinking it. When you write it down so you can see it. 
I'm going to give you some illustrations as you're making your list. Many of you know the Duke University coach, or you've heard of him, Coach K, legendary basketball coach um, out of Duke. And the last time they won the basketball championships in the tournament, the big NCAA tournament, was in 2016. And he did something really interesting that he says credits, this exercise he did, credits to a large degree of their team's success that year. What he did is he got all the coaches and the players and everyone, and he gave them all a basketball. And he asked them to do exactly what you're doing right now. He asked them to write down the names and the things that affected them that got them to where they are. Maybe it was a person who passed them the ball, you know, to score the winning layup that gave him an assist, or a coach, or a family member, or a friend, or somebody, you know, who drove you to practice, or gave you, you know, all those different things. Wrote all of those things down and then had them carry them with them everywhere they went so they could remember and be thankful that it wasn't just them that was being affected by this, but it was everyone else around them and that they could be grateful and full of gratitude for where they are because it represents so much. And said some of the players actually even slept with their ball at night and they ended up winning the championship and he credits this exercise of, of just the switch in his players' mental uh, ability to handle the anxiety of such a moment because they were full of gratitude and, and had their minds on something else. So some of you are focused on what you don't have, and you've forgotten what you do have. And that's a difficult thing that we struggle with. And whatever you have, understand that you have Christ, and nothing is greater than what you don't have in your life. Um, let me illustrate it to you this way, when it comes to just what it looks like to have Jesus in your life. So you're, you're just barely getting by. You're hanging out at home one day, you're just barely getting by, but two men in suits come to your house, and they show up, and um, you know, you're kind of freaked out, because you're like, why is there two dudes in suits outside of my house? And they say, well, we're lawyers, and we really need to meet with you right now. We have good news and bad news, and what do we always say to that? Which one do you want first? Bad news, right? We always want the bad news first so we can see what the good news is. So they're like, bad news is you have a distant relative who has passed away. That's the bad news. The good news is, is that he had an estate that looks like kind of a large estate and he left it all to you. So what does that mean? You're, you know, barely getting by. You're just kind of surviving. So they're like, well, here, here's what we'll start with. We have this and hand you a check for $10,000. Now you're like excited, dancing around, oh my gosh, this is great, whoa, and they go, if you want, we can dig a little deeper and like discover what's going on and, and find out what this estate looks like and how big it is, do you want us to do that? <laughs> what would you say? Of course, yeah, dig in, this is crazy, I didn't even know uncle so-and-so, <laughs> this is awesome. And so you spend your money and you enjoy that, and a couple months go by, and after three months, they come back to your house, and they say, well... We've done some of that digging and we've investigated a little bit more. You're not going to believe this. We actually found like some property somewhere else and, you know, some bank accounts. And it looks like it's even larger than what we thought. So here's a check for $100,000. And you're like, what is my life right now, right? And so you're really excited and you're experiencing and you're spending the money and, you know, you're like enjoying all of those things. And, and they say, well, do you want us to go dig further? And you're like, absolutely, dig deep. Like, let's figure this out, right? 
So a couple months goes by and you're enjoying that stuff and after a couple months they come back and they show up and they're like, yeah, this is way bigger than we thought it was going to be. This thing is actually worth millions, we think. We've found houses all over the world and other accounts and stocks and all these things. So they hand you a check now for a million dollars. You're like, are you kidding me right now? Right? And this story could go on and on and on and on. But I'm going to end this illustration with saying that every three months they keep coming back and saying, here's a little bit, this is what we've discovered, is even a new thing and a greater inheritance. Now, as wild as this story seems economically, right, in the sense, this is the very type of thing that happens in a spiritual sense to every follower of Jesus. That when you become a follower of Jesus for the first time and you surrender your life over to him and you decide to stand between the pillars of his goodness and his control and find peace and calm in that and discover that he's near and that you're going to have an eternity that's changed, that's with a good father who loves you. You like get to ride that high. It's like somebody handed you a check for 10 grand and you get to go, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like, look at the goodness that I have right now. This is life changing. It changed everything. And you're exhilarated and you ride that high. But, you know, just two or three months later, you begin to find out that not only have you experienced this new life salvation and an eternity with God, but God also put his Holy Spirit in you. And in addition to being, you know, understanding that that you're good for the future and you can put your hope in God, you've discovered you found this Holy Spirit and that he put it in you that comforts you and leads you and teaches you and powers you and gifts you. And so for two or three months, you get to ride that high and you're like, wow, this is amazing. But then it gets better because then you find out in addition, you've become part of a family a faith community and you have brothers and sisters in Christ and where you get to go to a small group and where there's this spiritual bond and a connection and true community and you just start building relationships in the family of God that are deeper and more significant than any relationships you've ever had before and you run on that high for a while and over the course of your spiritual journey you just keep discovering new things and new fresh things God's word answered prayer promises all throughout scripture until your heart is just so full of gratitude. And finally, you come to realize that I can say I may not have this or this could happen. This would be my future. You know, what I don't have and all that comparison. But because of Eucharist, because of that communion and community, I have grace from the Father and joy from the Holy Spirit and unlimited gratitude of a hope in Jesus that we are never alone, that greater is he who is within me, that he is that is within the world. There's nothing, nothing that can compete against that. So friends, make a list because as Thanksgiving goes up, anxiety comes down. So when you find yourself there, celebrate who God is, ask God for help, and be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. 
Uh, if you're here today and uh, maybe you've never walked into that goodness and you're like, hey, I'm, I would love to see what it looks like to receive the grace, the joy, the hope that I can celebrate. And uh, we have a next step for you. If you're like, what, what do I do and what does this look like? It's just a journal. It's 21 days. This is a gift from us to you as just a next step on that journey. We would love for you to grab that on your way out today. We have somebody who's you know, safe for that. If you need prayer today, later on, after the service, when you end just a little bit, there's going to be someone out to the right that will pray with you one-on-one. Um, but before we wrap up and I come back out and give a blessing, I feel like it's appropriate that we respond in worship. Worship is this beautiful way of being thankful. Because when we worship and the words that we're singing are words that we're singing about God and who God is and what God does, not about us, about what we see in the Lord. And so it's our way to be thankful and give praise. As our praise goes up, as our gratitude goes up, our anxiety crashes down. So may we, together as a faith community right now, experience that together in worship. So would you stand and worship with me?